0: Hey friends, this is John Klein III with Shadow and Flame with Magic the Podcast, episode 56. And um I made a guest appearance on the Grey Monk Lane podcast um for covering hidden X-Men the hidden years epi- issues 19 and 20. And I thought it'd be a fun thing to review. Um I was a guest with uh Chan Ederson and Christian Smith. Uh, we had an amazing time. And um and so I reviewed the second half um uh, issue 19 and I thought it'd be fun to cuz you know the way I do this podcast I write notes. So I thought it was a fun way to tie it in. I can review what my notes were if I wasn't so nervous or and or excited. So that's um do this as a fun little um, tie-in to that episode. So let's get to it, to it, to it. And once again, thank you Francisco for providing the theme song to the podcast. We really appreciate it. And you. And so this is episode or issue 19, Broken Promises, writer John Byrne, artist Writer and artist, I'm sorry, John Byrne, Tom Palmer, colorist Greg Wright, associate editor Lisa Hawkins, editor in chief Joe Casada. It's an ep uh, cover is um, X Men The Hidden Years when Beckons the Abyss. And we see from an awesome top down perspective where the X Men uh, minus Angel, the original five X Men minus Angel, are falling through this um, grid. Uh, the issue came out June of 2001. Oh yeah. And years before a weary world came to know the X-Men as an international band of exotic adventures there were a handful of troubled teenagers and one man with a dream. Stanley presents X-Men The Hidden Years. And so Beast um, comes across this giant beetle. And he's not sure where he is or why they're there. And he's not sure if he's shrunk to the size where he's smaller than a beetle. Is it a giant beetle? What up? Then Psycopse blasts it. um, And it skitters away. And Hank gets a hand up from Scott. And Hank's looking at the plants. And it doesn't appear that they have shrunk. then Jean catches up. She's wearing a classic... uh, X Men trainee uniform, but with a Wolverine-like mask that's black. And then Cyclops recognizes that he, where he optic blasted, um, there's metal underneath it. So clearly something is amiss. And then we see the mole man is watching them, and he scurries off. And then Iceman shows up. And the Iceman shows up. Uh, They catch him up with what little they know of him. Of the situation. And then they're wondering where Angel, Alex, and Lorna are. Meanwhile, the Martin household. Suburban, Dumpy, Illinois. And we see Xavier wearing just like some pajama pants and a t-shirt. And uh, Terry, who he's rooming with. And her daughter, because I guess... uh, she had a daughter who, with mutant powers that were out of control. And Xavier put psychic locks down. And then she started having a, a relationship with the mother. And seems very awkward. But he can't sense where the X-Men are. So, of course, if he can't sense where mutants are, they're just dead to him. Um, The uh, O4 are trying to blast away. And then we see... Um, uh, what's his name? So, uh, Tobias Messenger has broken into their, uh, minds, and it's just shouting, apparently, according to Bobby, that he, um, so he has a telepathic link to them. He's like, my name is Tobias Messenger, though I do not expect that to be mean anything to you. I'm the leader of the group of mutants, not unlike yourselves. We call ourselves The Promise. And um, he re- Bobby's like, why, why, why are you screaming? We're not deaf. And he's like, well, I am. But I am, Iceman. I was born unable to speak or hear. And only a mutation allowed me to communicate with my fellows. And he gets into this long, um, pages long narrative. Where essentially, these um, he's gathered mutants. And every ten years, they go into chambers. No, they're, they're in chambers, and every 10 years they come out, they look at the world, judge the world to be wanting, and then they go back after a week. And they've been doing it for decades now. And then he, uh, no one's happy that he's taken Alex, Lorna, and Warren. And so now they got to find them. Uh, everyone's going back into their chambers. As they got away in our 10 years. And so... um, Bobby freezes up the meadow. And Scott blasts it through with a shrak. And then they go down the tunnel. And that was the first 11 pages. And then I... um, Typed all this out. And I think I got most of it down. But... Reading the room... Um, Being excited, you know, one of those things where, like, in high school, you write a speech, and you write, like, three pages, and then, like, next thing you know, it's supposed to be a five-minute speech, but you do it in two minutes, and it's like, well, I read through that quickly. So, it's a combination of things, but, so, this is my notes. X-Men Hidden Years, Issue 19, Broken Promises, pages 11 through 22, Chad and Christian. 12. We pick up Hank, Scott, Jean, and Bobby making their way down. Jean says, this is fantastic, but it would have been nice if she said uncanny. X-Men rarely ever use their, their proper adjective. Bobby begins his streak of getting things right as he guesses correctly that Mole Man is most likely behind this. We know they're being watched and it's fun that they are using first names. It's not like they have much of a secret a to be maintained. Um, yeah, so I had like alternative like, comments. Uh, since there is no moisture in the air, Bobby de-ices, thus revealing he has his shorts and go-go boots. 13. The complex is massive. The giant fan alone is the size of a baseball field. Hank does that irritating thing where he refers to something simple in the most complex way possible. This time it is vertical mass relocation unit. And Bobby translates elevator for us? You're impressing nobody, Hank. No wonder Vera got away from him. Bobby hopes they don't get sucked off by the fan. Up, I mean. And um, and also, once Chad was nice enough to invite me to this episode, I was like, well, I got to do a tie-in to it. So I'm doing the thing I thought I would do, you know, weeks ago. Because um, it's the only thing I think of. I was like, well, I guess I could review it again. But anyways. um, 14. Bobby, two for two, as the fan does start sucking them up. There's no door, so they can't escape. Good thing Angel isn't with them, or he would have grabbed them and flown away. Or Polaris would have wrecked all the machinery. So it makes plot sense why these four are together. Otherwise, the team would have been out of this mess real quick. Scott tells Jean to start using her kinesis, and she's already doing it. Tis, Tis, Scott. 15. Back with Bessinger and his goons, a chamber opens. What? And it's also one of those things where it was like, you know, we give brief descriptions. And then I was like, well, how brief is brief? And so I did a, you know, long form. Uh, 16. The fan just won't quit. Whenever characters have to hold hands, I always like to note who's holding who and see if there is anything that there with that. This time Hank is holding the catwalk and his other hand is holding Scott's hand, who's holding Jean's hand, who's holding Bobby's hand. And that does seem like the best order for them. Hank asks Scott why he hasn't blasted a dude yet, and Scott says he can't reach either button on his cowl or glove, so no assistance from the punch dimension this time. Bobby asks if Gene can press any of Scott's buttons, but she's using her power to try to hold everyone back, which also seems to be what Hank is doing. Until he isn't, and then let's go, so what was Gene doing? It's also one of those fun things, too, because, you know, you're doing an interview, essentially, with two other people, so... I was trying to the pauses, seeing where the room was going, what jokes are working. And, um, you know, so it's pretty loose. And I haven't gotten there because he starts the episode with uh, Mike Carlin and two other gentlemen. And they are um, reviewing just like the classic handbook days, which is fun. Because that's where Chad Anderson, his Marvel work starts with the... I don't know, third wave of handbooks? Second wave? The When they get the handbooks A through Z update editions. Um, and so... Oh yeah, so I'm enjoying that interview. I haven't gotten to meet my part yet. And I forget why I started that sentence. 17. Hank tells Scott to start blasting but it doesn't do anything. The fan continues. Hank apologizes and calls on his little friends. Gene notices the steel mesh, which somehow protected the fan from Scott's optic blast. 18. Hank explains the mesh is there to protect the fan from debris, but that still doesn't explain taking the blunt force of Scott. So the mesh saves them and we essentially wasted three pages of them fighting off the fan as if they did nothing. They would have ended up in the same place. Scott has the thought that Hank hasn't been himself since the Hunter pushed Hank to the edge, which is a reference to Craven in issue 17. So, two episode issues prior to this one. Bobby, three for three, says he hopes that the fan doesn't turn off and they'd be in trouble. Turns out Scott did damage the fan as the fan turns off. 19. Hank finally tells Bobby to stop commentating. Thus, their perspective, though they don't know Mo Man is involved in any of this yet. Scott lets out a classic Gene. Gene surrounds everyone in a giant TK bubble, which cushions their fall. 20. The team crashes out of the metallic shafts just to come across a natural underground vault. Jane tries to make her TK bubbles softer, which I guess is something she can do. 21. Only Scott and Hank weren't fully knocked out, but Mole Man corrects that and zaps Hank. Mole Man is not throw that X-Men have returned. 22. Issue ends with Lucy waking up Warren. She can't free Lorna or Alex without killing them. Lucy's crying, she needs Warren to help her escape, and she's no longer happy staying with Messenger, as he is stowing years of her life away. Next, Worlds Within Worlds. And that was what I was going to contribute. And I think, you know, I did the broad strokes. Like if you listen to the episode, which I highly recommend you do, um, you would hear the bulk of that. But, um... I couldn't think of anything else to tie into it. So that is it. But I had such a great time. Gray and Lane. Uh, give a listen. If you're listening to it as this came out. It's the latest episode he's released. Alright everyone. Well thanks so much for listening. And. um, I'll talk to you next time. Alright everyone. Bye. And just in case someone is listening from there and notice I did both things, which I guess is the ideal situation, um, you can follow the podcast at SNFWM on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me at S I I I on YouTube, Twitter, and Blue Sky. Um, and you can follow the blog that started this whole thing at com. All right, everyone. Bye.